Welcome to the podcast of Dr. Michael Jacobs. We believe today's message will help you walk in faith and have victory now. All right, let's go over here to Philippians chapter one. I do want to take a few minutes. I won't take the whole time tonight, but... Uh, I want to talk to you about partnering with me. And if you're already partners, then thank you again for your help. You've helped us so many times. And uh, I've come to a place where I'm, <clears throat> you know, I'm, I may need to buy an airplane or I may need to rent one like I've been doing. And But I need the money to do whatever I need to do. That's what I'm saying. And so I'm asking you to do your best tonight. And if you've been a partner and a faithful partner, and we thank you for what you've done, we're not negating that. And a lot of times, you know, occasionally, well, a lot of times I'd say, Don, is that accurate? Somebody calls and says, I can't partner with you. I'm in trouble. I need help. And I have her right back in my behalf and say, well, I'm praying with you to get straightened out, not just to come back to me, but just your family. Because you've helped me get around the earth and you've got blessings coming your way. So we just know that. But sometimes, you know, maybe some people, when I was a pastor, I'd see tithes checks. I, didn't know, I never counted the offering, but I'd just talk to Don about it. $23.17. I don't know what you're thinking. And you're probably not the ones that did that. But anyway, that's pretty, that's pretty cheap. I mean, I give the $27 to a waitress or sometimes 100 just because she did a good job. So I'm not bragging about me, but that's how I got here. That's how come I have what I have and do what I do is because I've been generous. I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you the truth. I asked the Lord a while back, maybe 15 years ago, maybe 10 years now, have I ever disobeyed you about money? No, you haven't, but you have disobeyed me before. I said, yes, sir. I know that. Just don't want to ask you. So I said to him, by myself in my office, nobody was there listening, just me and the angels. I said, Father, I'd like to be a distributor if you'll help make me that. I've been a tither for probably close to 50 years and offering giver close to 48 years. And you know, when I first started helping other preachers, I could buy them a tie and they weren't expensive ties. Uh, you know, they were good ties, but they, what I wore, you know, they were cheap then. And the places I shop was cheap. But uh, then as it went along, I started getting into, I had faith for, for vehicles, for automobiles, and vans, and SUVs. And I cannot tell you how many, I think one time I counted up 13 vehicles all over the world and believed them to get a vehicle. So, you know, if I'm stretching you tonight, just listen. If you, if you don't want to come beyond where you're at, Stay where you're at. I love you. I appreciate you. I'm trying to get this straight. But, you know, I don't really like to talk about it, but I have to because I'm the one that's needing it, Amen. the help. So I don't apologize for it either. I was thinking today, <clears throat> I cannot tell you the amount of times I flew to California to be in Dr. Dufresne's meeting, sometimes two and three times a year. And it took me, I figured it up today in my head, 18 hours to get there one way. And last year or two, I took the uh, Rogans and the Hannibals with me because I'd asked them to do a camp meeting with me at Pastor, Pastor Johnny Simons and Debbie Simons. And they got us there in four hours and 15 minutes. 
with one stop. Yeah, that is awesome. If you're riding in a plane for 18 hours, you, you don't know if you don't do that. You, you might go to grandma's once every five years and have to do that, but I don't have to do anything. I can stop and quit if I want, but I don't want to die right now. And God told me he needs me to just keep doing what I'm doing, so that's what I'm going to do. Not bragging about anything, but I'm just, your obedience and my obedience helps you to come into something different. And I'm not even going to tell you how much money I've sold to other churches since I became a distributor. I was in a meeting last winter in two different churches, and one pastor, I didn't ask him to say anything about me. He got up and said, you gave us $31,000 this last year. I said, "Woo." Then I went to another meeting with another pastor, and he stood up and said, I didn't ask him about saying anything about that. You gave us $40,000 last year. Help us with our building and land purchase and stuff like that. We just bought a sign, a new sign for a church. You know, they don't sell those for $29.99 unless you're a $29.99 type of church. I'm just talking. All right. Now, I'm in Philippians, if you look at this with me quickly. Verse 3 through 5, I think it is. I thank my God, Philippians 1, 3, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. And, And I do that too with my partners. Always in every prayer of mine for you all making requests with joy for your fellowship. And the word fellowship in the Greek New Testament, because I looked it up, is the word partnership. For your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So what this means is when I go somewhere and preach, wherever it is in the world, of course I have to pay to go, you know, normally, and you're helping me stay to where I can do that easier. I don't take a plane every time I go. If I buy a plane, I will. Of course, I have to have a pilot and maintenance and fuel and 1,700 other things, you know, if you own an airplane. Just, that's, just a, that's just what that is. But I appreciate you partnering with me. And that, that's your, that's, I'm just showing you it's in your Bible. The word, and then he goes on to saying, being confident of this very thing, I think I just prayed that a minute ago. He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ. See, God's expecting us, let me say it the way I would say it. God's expecting me to move with him in that and keep moving up, not going back. I used to do that, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to be stingy or selfish or something. You know, he expects you to, we're supposed to be moving from one level of glory to the next, one level of faith to the next, one level of strength to the next. I, I memorized those scriptures years ago and when I'm talking to Father, thank you, Father, I'm moving in a new strength. I'm moving in a new dimension of the glory. Yeah. So he says here, verse 7, even it is as meet for me to think this of you all, that God's performing his word in you and performing whatever he's called you to do, because I have you in my heart inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers of my grace. And I, I agreed with Brother Copeland. I heard him say this one time too, but I, I saw it myself. I think it should read like this. You're all partakers of my anointing. Whatever anointing I have, that you're connected to that. And if you believe for it, like, you know, for example, I have a healing endowment in my ministry, or sometimes I've just prayed over a cloth. We had a lady in our church a while back, Ernestine Smith. 
and her sister went through a terrible divorce in New York, ended up in the mental institute, state mental institute, that's not fun, and had a total nervous breakdown or lost her mind or something. And Ernestine came to me. She knew I prayed over prayer cloths. Uh, would you pray Dr. Jacobs over prayer cloths for my sister? I said, what's wrong with her? When she's in the state mental health thing in New York, her husband and her got divorced. It was a terrible divorce. He got the kids, and she went to, she went to the mental hospital. Been there two years, I think. I said, who's going to get her the cloth? My mother lives up there. I'll send it to her. Okay, I'll pray, and you, you, you tell your mother to pin it to her gown where it's touching her skin somewhere, they could do that. And we did that, and her mother took it to her. In two weeks, she was totally normal. Hang on. Then she left the hospital, went back, got a job, got some education. I don't remember every detail, but she went to some kind of night school, and she ended up having a good job in one year, filed for a, I don't know what you call all the legal stuff, to go back to court with her ex-husband and want joint custody of those children, and he gave it to her. <laughs> You know, I'm not, I don't need to know what her husband did to her, but people can be so mean, especially to their mate. That's, I don't like to watch the news at all because they just, they never tell me anything that's going to happen other than what's already happened. All right. So just remember, you're a part of my anointing when you partner with me. And so wherever I go, whatever I get done, you're a recipient of that too. You know, I typically minister to the church. I mean, when I'm in places I can give an invitation, I do, or God speaks to me. And I was just over at uh, Thompson's. Brandon, raise your hand, Brandon. I did a meeting over there. Um, I don't know what days of the week it was, but <laughs> Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. And I was in the service in the morning, and I said, somebody here needs to get saved. And a young man came forward, about 17, isn't he? Gave his life to Jesus, prayed with me out loud. It was the sweetest thing. And then I think on Tuesday night, there was a young man. He came to every service. And, of course, he's dating one of the girls in that family. He's sitting over here, and he just looks like he's really bummed out with everything. So I, went, I walked over that way on Tuesday, and I said, Hey, can I pray for you? Come up to me. He came up. I said, Do you know Jesus really? Are you sure you're going to go to heaven? No, I don't know that for a fact. I said, Would you pray with me and say what I say? If you mean it, it'll happen. And he prayed with me. I mean, that may not sound like a landslide, but you, we only had 30 people in the meetings. Hallelujah. One time I took a group of youth to Honduras, and we had 1,765 salvations. They went to all the high schools in the Tegucigalpa, and the priest, I mean, not preschool, high school or junior high, and the teachers and principal let us give invitations. Our youth group did a, like a, presentation and dancing and skits and songs and 1700 they had paperwork on 1765 new births so we gave them to the pastors in the city anyway that's pretty good let's go over to luke a minute luke chapter 8 i may have mentioned this already but you know faith comes by hearing hearing by the word of god i heard brother hagan say this recently and uh, i thought man that's good uh, he said, you know where it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It really could read this way. He said, faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing the same thing over and over and over and over. See, you know, I know we think we heard it once or twice. 
I don't know their statistics. I'm not a statistical preacher. There's something to statistics. I think they said if you uh, had never heard something and you're an easy receiver, you might get it after eight or ten times. But if you've already been taught wrong, it'll take you at least 21 or 30 to get it if it turns around for you because you've already been taught incorrectly, so you think that way. Anyway, it's something else. So I don't get embarrassed if I'm saying something I've said for 10 years, 30 years, 50 years. I just keep on preaching it. And I get excited about it. I'm not going, oh, man, I've got to preach that again. Somebody asked me a while back, you get, are you having trouble preaching on angels? I said, no, not at all, because most people, they don't pay attention. <laughs> and we teach it and teach it and teach it until I'm trying to get it out where, you know, I've listened to somebody today on, uh, I probably shouldn't have done that, YouTube a minute. It wasn't what they said was wrong, but what they said wasn't what I see in the scripture. So, you know, you got to teach it right to get it right, to have what you're going to have. And you got to stay with things. You know, I don't know, I, I don't think it's been just fun serving Jesus all these years. Listen to me but it's been worthwhile. I put up with all the same thing every pastor I know has put up with. And then some. Then I got involved in missionaries and some of those doo-dooed on me. And I mean, I supported them big time, thousands and thousands and thousands. Almost, uh, I think one time we figured it up, Donna, when I was pastoring about $2 million out of this church. And it's not a big church. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes you just have to stay with it and not let people's ignorance or uh, strangeness make you quit doing something. Just stay with the program and forgive people. You know. All right, praise God. I could go 100 directions. I'm trying to stay on course. I'm just telling you, I need your help. So in just a minute, I'm gonna, you, we're going to take an offering. And by the way, I made a decision today. I think I, I made it when I talked to uh, Pastor Luke. Where are you at? Right here. I asked him to take the offering tomorrow night for me. I was going to take everything tonight and put it in aviation, but I'm going to take everything that's received so far, plus tonight's offering, and put it in AV. That's aviation fun. What do we call it, Don? Is that close enough? Partnership. So, you know, praise God. You know, and I took $30,000 of my own money this last year, this year, some earlier in the year, and put it into my partnership program because I believe in what I'm doing. Amen. I am expecting you to help me if you want, if you want to help me. I'm not twisting nobody's arm. But you know, it's just I need help, and I'm going to show you Jesus needed help. And he received from other people. I know, I know we don't think like this, maybe unless we've studied it, but like the little boy with the fish and the bread. He took what he had and received it and then multiplied it. And I think they took up, what, 12 baskets when the little boy went home. He had to have an entourage of basket holders to help him get back to mom. <laughs> yeah. And the Lord told me one time, you're, you're much better giver, Michael, than you are a receiver, and I'm not happy about that. And he said, I want you to even it up. So it wouldn't surprise me tonight if $100,000 came in. I didn't ask you personally to do that unless you want to and can. I'll take 200000 if you got it. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm just talking. I'm, I'm not in, you know, I'm not on a, on a preschool bike with extra wheels to help me right now, but I do need some help. All right. And uh, let's see here. Luke 8, in verse 1, 2, and 3. And it came to pass afterwards that he, Jesus, went throughout every city and village preaching and showing or demonstrating, I would say, the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the 12 were with him. And certain women which had been healed of evil spirits, I like the way they say that, infirmities and infirmities or weaknesses, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven should be demons, and Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod Steward, and Susanna, and many others, which ministered unto him of their substance. That's kind of a poor translation, but I understand. But I looked it up in a different, and said they ministered unto him of their resources. So that's what I'm asking you to do. Now listen to me carefully here. Do not send me your tithe. If I feel like it's your tithe or something, I'll have the Donna call you. And if it is, I'm shipping it right back because I'm not a God robber. You know, take care of your pastor and the church you attend, primary. But you could give me an offering. You know, one time dad said to me, you're part missionary anyway, Dr. Jacobs. I said, well, maybe I am. I don't know. But I like what I do. So Jesus had these ladies that traveled with him. I think they probably cooked for him and whatever, but they had resources, especially those that worked in government there. But uh, anyway, and they ministered unto him of what they had in their resources. Think of that. And resources. Anyway, it's just interesting, isn't it? Now, let's, let's, uh, let me see here where I want to go. Let's go back to 1 Samuel 30. I know some of you have heard me teach this before, but it, it just bears repeating you know, whoops, I went too far. First Samuel, I think it's 30. First uh, Samuel 30 and verse 24. And uh, anyway, David, you know, in his army, he had an army then, but he was out of town with the army doing something else somewhere, fighting somebody else. And the enemy came in and stole all the wives, all the children, and all their stuff. Took the, the recorders and everything. <laughs> Sound system. I'm making up stuff. Whatever they had, they took it. You know, that's the way thievery is. It just takes everything they can get their hand on. So now the men had just been out fighting the enemy. And it says in here, I'm paraphrasing, that the men that were with him, they were very loyal, but they were so heartbroken that their wives were gone. And maybe at that moment didn't know whether they'd ever see them again. And their kids are gone. Oh, my gosh. You know how parents are about their kids, and I'm the same way. You might be mean to me, but if you're mean to my kids, I may be up in your grill. <laughs> I always said, you can be mad at me because I'm not as sweet as Jessica. But if you can't handle my daughter, you just need to leave the church today. <laughs> yeah, that's my feeling. I'm not taking it back. Yeah, because she's Miss Agape when she was in Bible school. You know, they have those ladies on the platform, Australia, <laughs> Korea, Japan, West Indies. Agape girl. <laughs> anyway, his guys were all, they were so irritated that this had happened. And it said that David, they, he cried to verse six there. David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him. Now think about that. His own army that had supported him. They're so grieved about their wives being gone, their children. They're ready to execute him over this because he's the leader and took them out to warfare. And they didn't leave anybody there to defend the camp. So anyway, moving on down this story, he asked God about it, and God said, you go and recover everything. Mm 
So he told them, come on, we're going. But some of the men were just, they were just overly stretched. You know, I, I, anybody ever seen that movie with Hank, Tom Hanks? What's it called? It's a war movie. Huh? Saving Private Ryan. That is one a graphic movie. And I'm pretty, I'm not just squeezy about stuff, but that is an intense movie. But I mean, it shows you what it's like to be in that kind of a combat setting. And just push and push and push, and your friends are getting arms blown off and all kinds of stuff. So David said to him, you stay here. If you can't make it with us, you just stay here with the rest of the stuff they had. If they had horses, I guess, you know, or whatever, I don't know. But verse 24 says this, and some of the men that went with him to capture their wives and children and take them back from the enemy, and they all did, and they recovered everything. Uh, it says uh, some of the men that went were irritated that uh, he was going to share some of the bounty with these that stayed at the camp. But it says something to me about partnerships. You'll catch it that way. It says, uh, for who will hearken unto you in this matter? But as his part is that goeth down to the battle, so shall his part be that tarrieth by the stuff. These shall part alike. So what I'm saying in that, that says to me, wherever God sends me, if you're partnering me, helping me get there, you have, self, you have the same dividends or rewards or whatever God gives me, like at Pastor uh, Thompson's meeting. Those two young men, they're teenagers. I think they were 17 or 18, something like that. Gave their life to Jesus. Yeah. And we, had, we have all kinds of healing every time we go out. We have a lot of different healings and stuff. How many are really listening to me? Okay. So even though you weren't there and maybe you don't have the same anointing I have, I'm not bragging about it. I don't own it. I just wear it because he asked me to do that for him. I didn't ask for it. I'm just being honest with you, you know. But at the same time, I value the fact that God can use me that way. Yeah, I'm just talking to you here a minute. But I have to learn to handle it with respect. I have to learn to move with God more precisely in how he tells me to do things. Because sometimes you can say something and people get offended so easily. And so anyway, I appreciate that. But look what I'm saying is we get to heaven... And, and Jesus says, Michael, this is what you did in the earth and all the people from those different countries that line up and all your partners, you get benefit for that too because you helped him travel. That's pretty cool, I think. I've been on over 130 mission trips in my life. One missionary said, you're part missionary. Well, maybe I am. I don't know. It's okay. I just try to do what I'm called to do. Now, of course, you know, we, and we have a bigger conventions like these. I don't do this in every local church. Uh, but God told me when I was at Pastor Keith, because he, he had a word in spirit, and he wanted to have it from Sunday morning to Wednesday, which is fine with me. It's his building, and his, I'm submitted to him when I'm there. How many know what I'm saying? So whatever happens there in the meetings, you get, you get credit. That's what I'm trying to say to you. It's not just me. It's us. It's usins. You know? <laughs> and sometimes I drive my car, but boy, that seems like a stagecoach anymore. I even got a nice car, but, you know. I just like to get places quicker and rest better. And then one time, Pastor Parker went with me to get to Pet Dr. Ames Church. It took us 30 hours or more. Everything you think could go wrong went wrong on that trip up to that point. Pastor G Dr. Ames there, I called him. He said, call me whatever time it is when you figure out what you're doing. 
3 o'clock in the morning. I called him. I'm sitting in the airport. Everything's closed here. Oh, wow. I called American Express Platinum because that's what I am, and they helped me a great deal. They got a lot of clout. The lady said, I'll, I'll put you on hold, Dr. Jacobs. Be right now. I said, okay, thank you. All the hotels are filled within the region there of the airport, even for 10 miles. So I could get you something, but you're going to be a little ways away. And we were leaving at 6 in the morning. only had three hours. We'd been up all night. All the places you could have slept there, they had the little, I don't know what they call it, places you can rent just to go lay down for four hours, take a shower and go to bed. Oh, that was full too. <clears throat> People were sleeping everywhere at every gate, snoring, and uh, maybe other things, I don't know. But anyway... <laughs> So we fell asleep for 10 minutes, wasn't it? We woke wide awake, and you know, and then we just talked a minute, and by then Starbucks was open, so we headed for coffee. Yeah. And not only did everything seem to go wrong on that trip, we kept a pretty good attitude. Dr. Ames, when I talked to him at 3 in the morning, I said, I hate to call you. You know what I said to call me? And he says, you don't have to preach this morning if you don't want. I said, no, I'm coming to preach. I want to preach. Don't give my slot away. <laughs> So I got my luggage. Actually, I think Keith helped me and Dr. Ames, the ones with the handles on the outside. That's the kind of luggage I use. And it looked just like my bag, so I didn't assume anything. I got to the hotel, opened it. Somebody else's men's underwear was in it. I went, oh, my gosh. I guess he's got mine with my underwear. I don't know. But I think his staff figured it all out, and I think Amanda and maybe somebody else helped her. And she got the bag back to the airport for the guy that owned it and got my bag and brought it. So, hallelujah. That's just part of traveling sometimes. You have to deal with stuff, you know. Anyway, praise God. Now, I want to share one more thing with you. I know I've taken more time than I intended to, but let me find my reference. 2 Kings chapter 4. And the reason I do this, I think it's good that I take some time, and I don't elaborate this all the time, but I think that it's important to do this. And just starting in verse 8 here, 2 Kings 4 and 8, this is Elisha the prophet, and uh, he, he went by this lady's house, her and her husband, and in verse 8 it says, It fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, that's where this lady lived, where there was a great woman. That doesn't mean she was heavy set. it just means she had a lot of clout, she had a lot of money because you read this down there. Could I take you to the king to introduce you like that was going to be a big deal? No, I don't need that. And she knew the king. She just was pretty famous in those area. And she constrained him to come and eat bread with him. And it was so that as often as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. He must have felt like they really loved him and took good care of him. Think of that. Amen. I mean, somebody put me in a nice house one time, a guy that owned a the hardware store in that community, and in the basement he put me with the dogs, me and my wife and Jessica, and they had fleas. I never said a word to anybody because, you know, thank you for your enthusiasm. I know you thought I was all living big time, five-star hotel, and when I can get in one and pay for it, I do that now, but I haven't always done that. And she said unto her husband, Behold how I perceive that this is a holy man of God. She's very perceptive. She discerned that he's a holy man, not some a preacher that's trying to get everything from everybody, which passes by us continually. It must be en route to where he went to preach or went to do something. Let us make a little chamber. I pray thee on the wall and let us set before him a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick. 
and it shall be when he cometh into us that he shall turn in thither. Now, just reading that from the King Jimmy in English, it doesn't sound very impressive, but Dr. Cody here wrote a great book, The Prophet Honor Connection. And he, brought, he broke that down. I've heard him teach excellent teaching. That this was like a main Congo, Congo not Congo, condo. <laughs> now he's got electricity. He's got, you know, a candle maybe, but he's got light. He's got a stool, put his feet up, sit down on it, whatever, a bed. Hey, I don't know if he had an indoor bathroom, but anyway, sounded pretty good to me. So he, he's endeavored to, you know, read her heart in verse 12. He said to Gehazi, his servant, Call the Shunammite, and when he had called her, she stood before him, and he said unto her, uh, "Thou, see thou, uh, let's see, thou hast been careful for us, verse 13, with all this care. In other words, he's saying, I paid attention. You just have paid attention to me, lady, and took care of me supernaturally and very well, and I appreciate it. I'm reading that into that. But what is to be done for thee? Would you be spoken for to the king? Oh, and she answered, I dwell among my own people. And he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered and said, well, she doesn't have a child and her husband is old. Like that's maybe the problem. And he, said, he called her and he said, when, she, when he called her, she stood in the door and he said, about this season, according to the time of life, in other words, nine months, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, don't fool with me, man of God. Don't tease me. That's the way I would have wrote that. I mean, you know, and the woman conceived and bare a son at that season that Elisha had said unto her according to the time of life. And not only did she get the son, later he died, probably heat stroke or something on daddy's lap. So he sends somebody to get the mama, come get this boy and takes him back. But she goes immediately to the prophet and uh, he said to his servant, ask her if everything's okay. She said, yeah, everything's okay. But then later he went in and lay across him and brought life back into him, raised him from the dead. Hallelujah. This thing just went on. I think that's pretty remarkable. <laughs> so you could become partners with me personally, or you could become a partner with your ministry. Many of these pastors, they're, they're a blessing. And many of them send me checks monthly or weekly or however they do it. Some do different ways. Fine with me. I just appreciate everybody's help, but I need some help here. And I don't talk like this in all my meetings. They can tell you in their own churches. I don't go elaborate all this. But now the bigger meetings starting, which I just started at Pastor Keith's, it was in September, wasn't it? So God said, you could do that in your bigger meetings, the Word and Spirit. And I'm going to speak to people for you. I'm going to talk to certain people about stepping it up. What do you mean? I mean stretching. If you send 20 a month, see if you could send 50 a month. Or you could give a one-time gift tonight, 100, 500, 1,000. You can send me 20,000. It's not going into my personal account. It's going into the travel account partnership to get me in the air or help me get wherever I need to go. And I appreciate it in advance. Now, what would you do if you're me? You're not a local church pastor now. I'm not. But your church, your local church, let's just be careful, it comes first. And your tithe goes to your pastor, not to me. A few people did that to me, and we sent them back, didn't we, Donna? We were sweet about it. I don't receive tithes from membership. You'd have to send me an offering. You're robbing your own church to help me. I don't want you to do that. I'm not a God robber. So we sent the check back. And the one lady, she hadn't apologized for what she said about me. 
So I wrote her and said, I'm not taking your money until you repent. You're not me, just leave it alone. You don't know why, why I did that. Yeah. You have no idea. I just said, I'm not going to take your money. You're not going to appease me by sending me money the way you talked about me to my leadership. Thank you so much. You guys are just a ball to be with today. Somebody get the coffee made, will you? No, I'm not mean, but see, people think they can get away with stuff and then buy their way out of it. I don't operate that way. Until you straighten that out, I'm not taking any money. I don't care if it was 1000 or 20000 I wasn't going to take it. Because she was in the wrong, and I said, you need to make that right. Hallelujah. Anyway, praise the Lord. That's all I got to say about that. But lift your hand. If, let me say this. Lift your hand if you'd like to be a partner and you want to think about it. They have cards. Just lift your hand. If you're thinking about partnership right now, we're going to take the offering with it in just a minute. But I'm talking about partnership. If you'd like to consider it, you could just take it on and pray over it. And if God tells you don't do it, then that's fine. <laughs> I'm not twisting people's arm, but I know that God makes a way for me. I've been in this over 50 years now, and he's made a way for me every day. Amen. I mean, sometimes it was slim, but it, it grew as I, we stayed faithful. My wife, she was as tight about that, doing the right thing as I was, and maybe more. Diana, she didn't play with that. One time she talked to Jordan. I don't think, I don't think he, I think he was tithing, but she was making sure and he was going to park the truck and come in and said, don't come in here if you're not tithing. You're sleeping in the truck. <laughs> Something like that, wasn't it? And she wasn't playing with it either. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, now raise your hand if you need an offering envelope. Or, and it'll be on the screen what you can do. But thank you in advance for your help. And uh, we're looking into purchasing a plane. It's undecided by me yet if I'm going to go that way. Now, if I'm trying to impress people, that'd be wrong. But I'm trying to save my body, that'd be right. I'm 74, I know I don't look it. I'm just talking, I'm bragging about Jesus. He's the one that kept me. I talked about, him, about it when I was 35 to 40-something. Talked about being older then. And he's kept his word to me, preserved me, helped me, healed me, delivered me, and still does all that. I appreciate my father, my heavenly father, don't you? He loves you. He loves me. And he knows wherever a piece of money's at on the planet, no matter what country it comes from or whatever. So I'm just thankful, Father, for people tonight that they're going to do what you tell them to do. And I thank you for them listening to me. We're not begging, but we're asking people to be a part of what we're doing. And we're asking people to stretch some and, and begin to come, come alive with their giving in this area. Not to, not to rob from the local church, but as long as they put the tithe there and do whatever they're doing for God with the pastors. I like that. I want that. And I'm not trying to take money away from the local church. I'm trying to enhance the local church by my ministry, which is that of a prophet. May you use me tonight. May you use me the rest of my life to help bring the church into maturity. In Jesus' name, I pray. And everybody said, amen. Praise God. It's a new season.
Hallelujah. Thank you, team. You blessed me. Let me ask you guys to be dismissed and you could be seated here with me. I think I'm going to preach a little bit. I'm going to talk about the ministry of the prophet a little bit with you. And then I'm going to pray for all of the partners when I'm done preaching this at one whack, so to speak. And then I'm probably going to pray for the preachers tonight separately. Anyway, I just thought I talk a little bit to you about the prophet's ministry. I mean, I've taught it before, but I don't know that everybody understands what my role is. And you don't have to because you're not a prophet, but you know, I've done a lot of study on this. So first of all, let's go to 2 Chronicles 20. 2 Chronicles 20 and 20. 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 20. Look at something here. We've got some elementary scriptures that will help us, I think, understanding the role of the prophet. Of course, in the Old Testament, we might say this, that the prophet was a, <clears throat> a centerpiece kind of back then. Now, Moses was a shepherd, it says, and he had millions of members. Man, that's, that's a big church to pastor. <laughs> he had a lot of elders and stuff. But, uh, you know, he was just a very anointed man. But, he, you know, even some of his faults is listed. I'm glad God doesn't write all mine down in the Bible where you can read it. <laughs> I don't know how you feel, but all right. But this is interesting here. I've studied this a while. 2 Chronicles 20, 20. And they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat, he was the king there, stood and said, Hear ye, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. 
and believe his prophets, so shall you prosper. So is there something unique about the prophet that helps you to prosper? I think the other four are critical too. I personally feel like the pastor is the most significant in his role, but we're just all different. We're not all clones of each other. And so, and I looked that word up in, in the Hebrew there, and it means to push forward when it prosper, the word prosper, to push forward, to be profitable, to cause to effect things. That's all in that word prosper in the Hebrew. I looked it up. And then there's another translation of that verse. Have faith in his prophets and all will go well for you. But my favorite one's the Jerusalem Bible. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. What a verse. Those prophets just view things a little bit different. Not that we're, un- we're unique to that office, but we're all working together, all these fivefold ministries, to help the body come up to maturity level that we believe in, according to Ephesians 4. Amen. You know, we need, we need help sometimes. And all of us are unique and different. Even if you line 10 prophets up, we would have to have something in similar, but wouldn't be identical either. All right. So now I'm going to give you another scripture or two. Let's go to Jeremiah 1. And this was my original call before I even came to Bible school about preaching. And, of course, I didn't catch it all right then because the Lord told me to read that. And my wife and I were living on a farm that God gave us, 600 acres. We didn't farm the land. There were some farmers lived behind us. But there's a very wealthy man that owned all that farming four or five houses on that property. One of them was immaculate. It was his, him and his wife's house. And then we lived in an old farmhouse for two years, I think it was. And he didn't even ask. He said, I'm not going to charge you any rent, Michael. I said, wow, that's great. Of course, I was in the bathroom with him. I first the switch and the light didn't come on. I reached to turn the light bulb and the whole thing fell out of the ceiling. <laughs> and he said, you said you're working as a carpenter. I said, I sure am. He said, if you'll fix this bathroom up, I said, no, you need to make it right, especially you've got a wife, right? Yeah, I sure do. But I like a clean bathroom, too. <laughs> and go in the kitchen. The floor fell out of the kitchen floor, put a new floor in. I put new windows on the back of the kitchen because it faced the farm. And he said, I'm not even going to charge you any rent. I mean, he drove up in a Mark IV Continental, and I had a 1956 Chevy truck. And I looked like, uh, I don't know, Grizzly Adams or something. I had a beard and long hair. And, we got along great. He trusted me. He said, just go to the lumberyard and tell him you're doing it for me and sign for it, and I'll pay for it later. So he had a lot of money and a lot of clout, and I liked him. He liked me. I told him, you know, I was a Christian, and, and we believed God to get that farm. We want, my wife wanted a farm, and then she wanted horses. She was a horse girl. And so her friends, a lot of them rode, rode western, I think they called it, or quarter horses. And don't correct me if you know more than I do. Just let me tell you the story. <laughs> But she rode English, which is that little teeny saddle, and she wore a top hat and a really nice-looking outfit, you know, and goes along with that horse. <laughs> she put me on the horse one time, and she got done telling me how to ride it. I got back off of I don't even want to fool with this. You got too many instructions. I was just going to go, yeah! <laughs> she didn't like that. No yee-haw with the horse. Okay. Got you. She was a wonderful woman. And so her friend, she was praying about horses. And I said, well, let's pray about it. If you want. We had a barn. We had two and a half acres fenced in with that house. The house was 150 years old. And so I fixed it up the inside. You know, the floor in the kitchen, the bathroom, put new shower in it, new sink, everything, new toilet, the whole thing. And uh, 
so but she, all of a sudden we prayed over these horses for her and her good friend called her that she's in high school with and rode horses with. Of course, the other girl rode uh, quarter horses. And of course, Diana could ride any kind of horse. She liked horses. So she, her friend called and said, I got two quarter horses and I want you to take care of them this summer and I'll pay for all the feed and everything. You can ride them whenever you want. So they brought us the horses. We put them in our barn. And then she'd get up and ride them when she wanted. That's pretty good. And God gave us everything we were believing for. And we got so frustrated after about a year and a half of that because I knew God was dealing with me about the ministry. And I argued with him big time. I said, you got the wrong person. I was teaching four seventh grade boys in the basement of First Baptist Church. They used stinky floor wax. You know, I'm not challenging their doctrine, but I'm, I'm challenging the way they think to put us in a basement that stinks because of the floor wax they use. And no, no, no cushion on a chair, forget it. It's all metal, man. Your butt's asleep in 20 minutes. Excuse me for using that word. Your boots are hiney, how's that? Doctor used that all the time. And God just kept giving us everything we wanted. We were more frustrated I got, and she did too. And so, you know, he just kept dealing with me and dealing with me. And one night, I didn't even pray in tongues then. I went to bed at 10. We both laid down. She went to sleep, and I was awake at 2 in the morning still praying. And God said, turn to, you know, Romans 10. I don't remember the verse right now. It might have been 14 or 15. And I was asking God, are you sending me, or is this just in my own imagination? You can go over and read it later. He said, you know, they can't, they can't go unless they've been sent. And when he said that, I started screaming, hey, honey, we're going into ministry. She woke up and said, what? I said, we're going into ministry. God just told me out of the word. So we made, it, we made the thing to switch the route, got the horses back to the other girl, sold what we could in the barn sale. You know, just headed down to Louisville. That's where God said he wanted me. I didn't want to come to Louisville either. There's a lot of things I've done that he didn't, I didn't want to do. But I did them anyway. I did them anyway. I didn't know nothing about Holy Ghost much, you know, like speaking in tongues. Now, some of the guys I went to school with, they made fun of the Pentecostals, but I never did that. I think that was rude to do that when you don't even know what the person really believes and you're too ignorant and lazy to figure it out. And then you're mad at everybody that thinks different than you. That's not a good person, especially if you're going to be a preacher. But I just kept my mouth shut. And anyway, I got spirit-filled two weeks before I graduated from Bible school and spoke in tongues. And I was reading an Episcopalian's book, Dennis Bennett. Dennis and Rita Bennett, they were pretty well-known Episcopalian priests. And he, everywhere they sent him, he, he raised up a big church. And they got mad at him because he talked to everybody about the gifts of the Spirit and speaking in tongues. All I knew about Episcopalians was cone hats, <laughs> incense, and a lot of candles were lit. That's all I knew. But he was a real man of faith and a man of God. He made his book so simple. I read five pages and got filled with the Holy Ghost. And got on my knees and said, Father, I, Father, I need that. Anyway, so here I am, Jeremiah. I was at my house at the farm back in my bedroom praying. Diana was fixing dinner. And I, he, the Lord said, turn to Jeremiah 1. Now, I knew the book of Jeremiah was in the Bible, but I'd never read it. You know, I'd been saved a few years, but... I didn't do good in high school very good because I, I didn't like school. And I'm not saying that's the way you should be. You should do your best, but I wasn't back then. I'm chasing girls and fighting. Anyway, <laughs> don't, don't meet me in the alley over here and try to, I'm not fighting people anymore. I'm just, the only one I'm dealing with is the devil, and he's already defeated. Yeah. 
Anyway, so he told me to read the first chapter here, starting in verse 4. I'm going to read down to about verse 12, Jeremiah 1. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed you in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Now, I didn't, when I read that, I didn't think a prophet. I didn't think like that. And I didn't think to the nations. I'd never been anywhere but Fairborn, Ohio. I thought I'd live and die in that little burg. But God had other plans for me. Verse 6, then said, I, all Lord God, behold, I cannot speak. He's, he's copping a plea with God like, like I was trying to do. For I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I'm a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatever I command you, that you're going to speak. Be not afraid of their faces. Now that stood out to me amazingly because I had four seventh grade boys trying to teach them the Bible with a, what do you call those little booklets? Quarterlies, thank you. They got a spotted cow or something, the story about a spotted cow. I go, oh my God. But I liked those boys. I loved them. I went to their homes, met their parents, and I realized why they were the way they were, some of them. The parents didn't have anything going on. But those four, seventh grade boys, there was four of them. And, and that's where I started. And I, and I would have been happy to stay there the rest of my life and teach seventh graders. But God kept moving me forward. Anyway, be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. It's funny, you know, when I was a drug addict and drug dealer, I didn't, I didn't have much sense. And, uh, you know, I had a gun and all that. And I don't know, I was, I was just out there. And I just thank God every day that I'm alive still because he protected me. And I certainly wasn't thinking right. But anyway, then the Lord put forth his hand, touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. See, I have set thee this day, this day set you over the nations. And, over, and I'd never been anywhere but Ohio, you know, Fairborn, Ohio. I think, well, my mom and dad lived in Springfield when they first got married. Jack Jacobs did and my mother and I uh, lived in Springfield. That's where I had that first experience with an angel outside my bedroom. But never been far at all. And says, I'm going to set you over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy, and to throw down, and to build and to plant. So that's kind of my job description right there as a prophet. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not all destructive either, but when it says uh, you root it out and you pull it down and you destroy it, people got issues sometimes, and then the Lord, either through the gift of discerning of spirits or word of knowledge, it may, they operate different. You know, one is you see something, other is you know something, but either it's the same result. If you find out what's bugging the person, you can get them delivered. Or you can get them healed. Or, you know, one time I told some lady, I said, I'm not going to lay my hands on you. Is that in the Indian reservation in Navajo Nation? And I was in a big tent, 300 people. And the guy that invited me to come, the last night he came and interpreted for me. And he's up there talking. All of a sudden, everybody starts getting up and going to the sides of the tent. I said, Eugene, what did you tell them? I told them you're going to lay hands on all of them. You told them what? <laughs> yeah, just start over there. So I went over there and I motioned them to come by. I just tapped them in the head and just let them go on by me. And I got to this one girl. She's about 20 years old. And I knew when I, after I'd been there, that was my second or third time out there, I think. Anyway, I found out that the people that were teenagers by then, they had all learned English out on the reservation. You know, they have a 90% alcoholic rate on the reservation. Plus, they got a satellite dishes on people's uh, homes. And you know what I think about when I see that? Porn. Anyway. Anyway, I'll get back to my story. So this 20-year-old lady standing there, 
and I was going to pray for her, and the Lord said, don't you put your hand on her. You tell her, I said, run across the front of this auditorium. It's in sand, you know. We're in the desert. You do know we're out in the middle of nowhere. 70 miles to get to the meeting from where this missionary lives. And so I said, well, lady, you speak English, don't you? Yeah. I said, well, the Lord told me to tell you to run across the front of there, and you'll get delivered. And if you don't want to do it, just get out of my way, please. I just grabbed her arm and went that like that, and she took off running. Then all of a sudden, the whole place come unzipped. It was just wildness, screaming and hollering. She was making a lap. Two or three teenage girls got in with her. She jumped up on the platform. They all grabbed the mics, and they started singing in English, Oh, the blood of Jesus. Then it was on, man. Whew. It was on, man. And then I, then I said, okay, now, and after I got through with the prayer line, which was all of them, you know, everybody wants the man of God to touch you, and that's commendable. I think we still think like that. And some cultures think better than we do. And so I said, if you have any addictions in your life, I named alcohol, pornography, drugs, bitterness. You're always in strife with people. You're always fighting about everything. I want you to come up here. About 30 people came, male and female, and they started dancing like an old movie with uh, the famous John Wayne guy. He would be out fighting the Indians, you know. Like Brother Copeland said, the Indians had sticks. They, we had bullets. What's about, something's wrong with that picture. Anyway, they started going, hey, 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 and they were dancing, and they started twirling around the sand and fell out. They all got delivered. I, did, I never left the platform. I said, come out of them. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Then the meeting was really on. <laughs> so anyway, talking about the prophet's ministry, this is kind of the calling for that. So that's just really important. And let me go over here to Ephesians. I'd like you to go with me if you don't mind. Ephesians 4, and look at a verse or two here. And then I'm going to just talk to you about things that I made notes on. Um, actually, Pastor Alvin made these notes, and he does such a good job if he's with me somewhere traveling. Can I get a copy of your notes, Pastor Alvin? Did I say that? Like Steve Urkel. Did I say that? That's pretty good. Yeah. So Ephesians 4, verse 8 first, wherefore he saith when he descended, excuse me, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Actually, it says people, it doesn't say male, but it's talking about the race of man. So it would be a woman or a man, either one would qualify if they're anointed to do that. I know humanity has a hard time, especially America, but we need to be thankful we have women that can preach and that want to preach and are not afraid of the devil. I mean, I think that's Candace back there. She sitting back there for me. You don't need to look at her and embarrass her. But I, I look at her, I thought, she got my book off my tape table on deliverance. And you told me, Pastor Keith, she got it out and taught all the youth how to be delivered and prayed for them all to be delivered. And she was just a teenager herself back then. You're not much older than that now, are you? <laughs> that's sweet. And he gave some apostles, verse uh, 11, he gave some, not everybody, apostles like a Mike Rabel over here and Elaine said he gave some and some prophets. That's the office that I mainly walk in. And some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers for the perfecting, the word there is maturing of the saints for the work of the ministry that they're going to do and for the edifying or building up of the body of Christ, the anointed one. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, even unto a mature, that's the word there, mature man, 
unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that's where we're moving towards the fullness of that anointing on all five of these ministry gifts. So that in turn, we're able to teach the body of Christ to come up in the maturity. Hallelujah. But the prophet's just one of the five and so forth and so on. You with me? So I'm going to read some of this here that we underline. We need to think like this. We're the body of the anointed one and his anointing. You ought to always think that you're anointed. Not in fivefold ministry, but you're still anointed because you're part of the body of Christ. That word Christ is not Jesus' last name. It's the anointing that was on Jesus. Yeah. And Brother Hagin always said, 90% of my ministers never get into the first faith. I'm not saying you're not into that. I'm just talking to remind myself. Because, you know, you can stop anywhere along the line and camp out. And then you never, you're not studying for any newness to come or maybe something God wants to deal with you about. It'd be better, Michael, if you did it this way or it'd be better, Michael, if you said that that way. I'm open to him. Yeah, just talking to you here a minute. He said, 90% of my ministers, brother, Jesus said that to Brother Hagin, never get into the first phase of their ministry. And that's why some die at middle age. If this is happening to the ministers, what about the sheep? They're way out of line then if they don't even have a preacher that's reaching into the fullness of what he has in him. And it takes time to get over into that. You know what I mean? You don't just jump into deeper places of the spirit. You have to, you have to, you have to discipline yourself. And I've always been one to ask a lot of questions of Jesus. And he never, he never told me to shut up. He said, I'm not going to talk to you about it. And he never said that. Now, he did say one time, learn. And then I said, well, can we talk about it? No, I just told you what to do. You need to learn in this area that I was talking to him about. I said, okay, I get you. And so anyway, that's important. Dr. Dufresne, the number one thing will put you away from operating in the full level of the anointing on your life. I'm talking to everybody in the room. Is distractions. If we're not careful, we're distracted with all. And this is the most distracted generation. I mean, I'm 74, but I've never seen so much confusion in human beings. I try to watch TV sometimes with the leaders of our country, and I'm shocked and ashamed. (laughs) I never heard this one lady say anything intelligent, and she's, you know, way up there. I'm not going to tell you who she is. You can figure it out yourself. And the one that's totally in charge, I just pray for him. I have to pray for these people. Then I turned on Christian TV one time and they're introducing everybody who's got some kind of prestigious thing about them. She's a prophetess and he's a bishop. They started talking. I looked at my wife. What are those people talking about? I'm not that stupid. That don't even make sense. Had to turn that off. Just like I don't watch Freddy Cougar this time of the year, okay? You know what I mean? No. Distractions. Let's look at that scripture, 1 Corinthians 7. I'm just preaching a little bit to you here tonight. It's, it's still early and it's a Thursday night. and I think it's Thursday. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 35. Man, I'm having a good time. And this I speak for your own profit, not like a prophet fivefold, but you're gaining things to profit from. Not that I may cast a snare upon you, but for that which is calmly, and that you may attend upon the Lord without distraction. I mean, the, 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 the devil will try to get you so occupied with things, you're just so distracted. I mean, I'm thinking of a preacher now. I've got to watch what I say here. 
He's already in heaven. But when I knew him, he changed offices six times in four years. Many times. Didn't surprise me a bit. You know, when you start jumping around because you think it's going to be greener, uh, you're about to get busted if you don't do it correctly. You could change offices. I did. You know, I was, I, what I'd heard about prophets was probably inaccurate. I wasn't under Brother Hagen. Uh, and I wasn't with that Dufresne then. But as I hooked up with a senior prophet, and not, that wasn't my intent. But yes, it was my intent, but I didn't know it was my intent. Yeah, yeah. He liked me and I liked him. Yes, and God put me with a seasoned prophet to get silliness out of me or get, you know. He always said, Michael, you're so serious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Dad. Yeah, you know, get, get, get out of your head. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, here, let me, let me finish to read this. That you may attend upon the Lord without distractions. The distractions are just, you know, you're trying to pray and you're thinking about a ham sandwich. What's the matter here? Come on. Yeah. Or you think you've got to go do something. We've got to make time for God if we want God and we're hungry for him. But Brother, hey, Brother Dr. Dufresne said the number one thing that will pull you away from operating in the full level of the anointing. We read it in Ephesians, the fullness of the anointing that was on Jesus. On your life is distractions. People get so distracted. I'd like to say it this way, and I think somebody sitting here tonight said it to their mate. Stay in your own lane. You just need to stay in your own lane sometimes. I don't know why people want to be different. You could be different if God's dealing with you, and it takes some movement to get over where you should be if you're not there now. It just seems like everybody just wants to peter out and give up on everything and go do something different. You know, I got to pay attention to what, where my anointing's at, and I'm just talking to you about it for a minute, and God dealt with me three times, not you, with me, about my hands. So I am going to keep my hands on people when they let me and when I can minister to them. Now, you know, and then I could minister through words too. Pastor Nancy talked to me, gave me a word out in California the first of this year about that, that I might not be able to do that someday if I'm in a crowd of, you know, a lot of people. Right. <laughs> like, you know, 20,000 or something. Yeah. She didn't use that number. I'm just talking. But anyway, I also want to be distracted. And I need to figure out if I'm in the right office first. Right. You know, I know you think, I don't know what you think of me really. I really have no idea. Really don't have any idea what you think. But I had to change my whole ministry if I was going to obey God. And got away from the, being a pastor. Wasn't that I was trying to get away from you. I owned a car when I first started this church. I could have drove off the first day. And every day they were pounding. <laughs> if I didn't want to be around people. No, I'm just being serious with you. And some of you have made it that far with me. That's pretty good. I didn't know if you'd all make it or not. <laughs> some of them never made it. Some of them are dead. Anyway, I'm not mad at anybody. But, you know, I had to forget now I'm not a pastor. So when I get up, I'm not Jordan. I love Jordan. He's a good pastor, and he feeds me as a pastor should. Or like Pastor Dennis today. He, he has a teaching ministry that's phenomenal, especially, this is my opinion, especially in the area of the soulish man and renewing your mind and coming out of a place of, I would call deep poverty as a young boy. And all the times he said they'd moved as a family when he was a little kid, how he, he told me this privately, I think it might be in one of his books. He had to have food coupons to, to go to school at the cafeteria to give that instead of money. And it was just a, a trip on his head. 
and to come out of that individually and out of all the pastors that are here, he's a builder. <laughs> and he's building buildings and paying for them as he goes. Like a million dollars or plus, you know. <laughs> so I appreciate that. I don't have that. Say, I built all this, you know, with God's help and your help, but my name's on the line. But I, you know, I'm, I can't do that and continue. I, right now, I just need to have a vehicle to get me around the planet in. It's, I'm not bellyaching about anything. But, you know, I, try, I was a good pastor when I pastored. I did my best. I loved people. And I corrected them. But I found out people are so touchy that if I said anything they didn't like, they were mad about it. But they came to me for help. I said, here's your help right here. Get that book out of the bookstore. We used to have a bookstore. Or buy the, I'll buy you the book and give it to you. Anyway, praise the Lord. So we got to be careful we don't get tied up where we're so distracted. I appreciate you being here. This, we only have this one meeting with me a year this long. And we knocked out Tuesday night at my house. Not because I didn't want to preach, but I wanted the pastors to be with me in my home. And it was a blessing to have you, all of you. And all the different anointings. But you know, you have to plan for things. We planned this a year ahead, and you guys made it. But really, there's a lot of other people could be here that came to others and got delivered and healed, and their marriage saved, and they don't even come back to share with us and get in another. I don't understand that. That doesn't make any sense to me. And people are going to just continue to flop like that until they go to heaven. But it may be sooner than they think because they didn't pay attention. Not mad at anybody. There's nothing wrong with going to heaven. I just don't want to go right now. Don't let anything pull you away. This, this is what I said about it. From your fulfilling your purpose. You must properly discern things. And you discern your own part. That's 1 Corinthians 11. You know, they didn't discern things, so they were weak, weak and sickly and died prematurely. And Dr. Frank said he was in the second one of those three. Are you listening? That's what he said. He had to repent. I've had to repent too sometimes because I wasn't fulfilling my purpose fully like I needed to. And I have to discern that. I have to discern my part in the body, and I have to discern others' parts in the body. You know what I'm saying? There's all these pastors, we're not clones. All of us are different. Some of them have different gifts than me, have different levels of anointing, and all kinds of stuff. And I appreciate everybody Amen. that wants to grow in God and move with God and be in unity. Amen. Yeah. Since uh, Pastor uh, Parker wrote this, he said, discern properly Dr. Jacobs in your life. God sent him. And not discerning can cause sickness, weakness, and premature death. He wrote it down. I must have said it, or he got it by the Holy Ghost. You were taking notes on me preaching. I don't remember where I was at here. Uh, Word and Spirit, April 2018. I don't know where we're at. But anyway, he makes good notes. I said, give me your notes, okay? <laughs> He'll have my notes plus his comments. That's pretty good. So we need to clear up some misconceptions. Some people think all the prophets do is prophesy. That's not true. I prophesy too, and I'm probably behind in that a little bit, just to be honest with you, but nonetheless, I'm catching up. 
And I have two of the three other gifts in Revelation, discerning of spirits and word of knowledge. Word of knowledge is preeminent with me more than any of them probably. And then I think the last 10 or 15 years working of miracles and some other things that's been added on my uh, mantle. I'm just talking to you. And, and he's talking about, I'm, we're talking about here as a minister, and I'm talking about the prophet in particular. First and foremost, they're a teacher and a preacher of the word of God. All the fivefold is. And they all have certain ways of teaching. And, and laying on the hands goes with their ministry, the prophet. Laying on the hands, particularly. The healing anointing goes with the, their ministry. It's Brother Hagen talking. I just taught it, you know, from him and, and realized that he knew what he's talking about. And then some people, here's another misconception. Some people think if I look at them for a few seconds in the congregation, they come to me later, do you know all about my life? <laughs> no. I love you, but I don't want to know all about your life. Believe me. No, but I might see something or know something, and then I could minister to you more effectively if that be the case. But I don't know everything about anybody. I, you know, Paul said we know in part, that's scripture, and we, we, we know in part and so forth. So we don't know everything. All right. And sometimes prophets act strangely. You know, when I have a lady standing before me in a prayer line to get delivered from depression, I haul off and slug her in the stomach as hard as I can. That's different. And uh, she, thank God she got delivered and got healed. Yeah. And then, then we were talking about this. Um, let me see here. God chooses what he reveals to the prophet. They don't know everything. Here's some characteristics of prophets. Uh, and he put down here, Pastor, uh, Pastor Alvin, prophets have revelation on particular subjects. He put me down. He said angels, spiritual fathers, and I would say deliverance and confession and several others. But these are main things that people hear me talk about a lot because we've got to understand this is why we don't, we can't, you're not, everybody's not going to see into that other world. I didn't want to have to talk to people about it. I told God that to his face. And he said, well, why not? I said, you mean you don't know? No, he knew. He said, yeah, I know. I want you to talk out loud to me about it, hear yourself talking. And so I did, and I said, I still don't want to do it. He said, well, it's either that or else. Okay, I'll be glad to do it. Thank you. Okay, that's just the way we are sometimes. Not trying to be a smart aleck with God, but anyway. Anyway, let's see here. Have revelation of particular things. Um, let me see here. And then he put down, I think I was telling this Dr. Dufresne, he was an apostle of the anointing and things that pertain to the spirit. The prophet has the heart of God and the pulse of God. He or she has to be alone with God. Now, see, that's true of me. I, I didn't realize that so much when I was younger, but if I get alone in my car or my truck and go driving for a couple hours, I just pray and I have a great time. No, And I don't put my stuff on in my car to listen to very seldom music but very seldom on that but I've got CDs by Dr. Dufresne and stuff like that you know I listen to him every day at home on my TV in my bedroom and I got lots of tapes in my car of Dr. Dufresne because he feeds my mantle I don't know of anybody on the planet that feeds me like that God put me with him he didn't put me with six different people and I offered God if you need me to hook up with somebody else after dad went home, my spiritual father, Dr. Dufresne, been with him 20 years, I said, I'll do it. I'm not a rebellious person. He said, no, this is your time to be a dad. You already have some sons. There'll be some added. Some won't make it. 
because they have improper motives. Don't let that bother you. So when people call me, and usually I know before they call, so I tell my wife, so-and-so is going to call me and they're going to leave. They are. And then with Donna, my secretary here, I had come in sometimes and say, this family, this family, this family, this, and this, all five of those families will be gone in six months. And she said, really? Yeah, I said, really, watch it. Just watch it. Why? Well, I don't tell everybody what I know or see, and I don't tell everybody what I see about them either sometimes because I don't want you scared of me. <laughs> I'm trying to preach the answer, and the answer will fit everybody if they apply it correctly. How many know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to be hardcore here. I'm trying to explain how I function, and especially if it has to do with anything that's immoral or something. I'm very delicate with people. I don't ever say anything people could construe. You know, like that one girl got my prayer line for nightmares, but when she, I laid hands on her, well, you were in that service, Pastor Dennis, I, maybe Angie too. And she's about 30-some years old, and I laid hands, and I said to her, I had my hands on her head, I said, come out about the nightmares. I took authority, just five or six or eight people came. I said, I see something in you, man. I, I'm going to deal with that. And more, I didn't, I asked her, but I was kind of authoritative to her. I said, I'm going to keep my hands on your head. You're going to be okay. And sure enough, she had one of those epileptic things that the devil d tries to do to me. And I said, you're going to be all right. I got you. And I, I knew it had to do with morality. What I did not know, whether it was self-imposed or somebody did something to her. And I didn't mention that verbally to anybody. I'm just ministering to this lady in the prayer line. And man, she got delivered. And she went to her pastor at the end of that service and the pastor knew she wanted to talk to him. So he said, you guys go on back and eat a sandwich or whatever we have in the green room, and I'm going to talk to this lady. I'll be back later. And the lady, he didn't want his, he had two girls in his life, two daughters, and they were young then. He didn't want that lady to talk if she was going to say something that might, maybe their kids wouldn't need to hear. And she told him this story. When I was young, my dad began to molest me, and he threatened my life. I'll kill your mother and you both if you ever tell her. And you, how would you like, at nine years old, the man that should have been your greatest protector. See, I don't, that just, just shows you how dirty and crazy the devil is. Yuck, 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 like Marilyn Hickey says. Yuck, yuck, yuck. But she got 17 years old and she's having a nervous breakdown because her dad has messed her up. She's a young lady and he's violated her repeatedly. And so she tells mom. Then they get a divorce. Then this young girl, her self-esteem is shot because somebody forced themselves on her and her father. I hate to even bring it up. It sounds so terrible. And it is. And then she went to, she went to a club and became a dancer because she knew she could make a lot of money taking her clothes off. You understand what I'm saying. That's enough said on that. But then she found this guy and really fell in love with him. And they got married. And she, went, <laughs> she comes to church and gets saved. She had two children with him. But she told the pastor, I've never felt clean because of what my father did until Dr. Jacobs took authority over that spirit he saw. But now I just feel all clean. So it was worth it to be able to discern that and deal with that. And I didn't say anything that would, people would have known when I was dealing with I said, I just see something I need to deal with in a minute. Are you okay with that? And she kind of nodded, but she was quiet. But, and I said, I got a hold of you. You'll be all right. And she was. Hallelujah. And then I think this is something I said to, in a service one time. Uh, don't tell Dr. Jacobs everything about your church before he comes 
this will muddy the waters. And sometimes I have to stop people, you know. I'm not being rude. And sometimes I get in the car and the pastor wants to tell me all the stuff that's going on. And I, I say, listen, 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 just hold that. If you don't talk to me and it comes up in my spirit and I deal with it, it'll be God, and you'll know it's God. But if you start dumping on me all the stuff that you're dealing with, then you just feel like I just I rehearsed all that and then tried to play like God told me that. So I'd rather just not know unless it's, unless it's a matter of life and death right now. And so praise God, I'm just talking to you. Make sure your music's in the right tense and it's in line with your redemption. And I say stuff about that, but I, I, all the churches I go to, they have, I think they have all good praise and worship. You know, some people are on a different level, a higher level, but it's still good. The prophet's the friend of God. Prophets confront things. Some confrontations are done in private, and some confrontations are done in public occasionally. We're not trying to embarrass anybody and things like that. You follow what I'm saying, don't you? Okay. There is no overnight wonders. Things will come over a period of time. I don't know why we think everything's going to be in two weeks. We're going to be a spiritual giant. I've been in this a long time, and I still feel, and this is just me, I feel like I'm at least a preschooler, but, you know, there's so much that I don't know about any one subject. So I try to stay teachable. That's what I'm trying to say to you. If you stay teachable, it should make you humble. You know, you make yourself humble. You humble your, God's not humbling you. You humble yourself, James says, and Peter says, humble yourself under the hand of God or the anointing, and he will promote you. Amen. But if you act like you just know it all and you've seen it all, well, you haven't. You know if you're real about it. You didn't see it all yet. You don't know it all. I don't either. So I want to be teachable. Yeah. Yeah, praise God. Teaching from the prophet's ministry will plant the right things in you that you need for your future, for the call of God on your life. Repetition waters what's been planted by the prophet of God. Now, I think it was you, Brandon, uh, when I was at your church. I think it was the last service, a few last seconds we were there in the service, and I said, you and, and Tiffany come up here, and I ministered to you, and you told me later when we ate, I think, that was the last thing, then we dismissed the service. But you said, I just confirmed everything God had been telling you, and Tiffany confirmed it in the back room with me, you and her, that whatever I said brought confirmation to what the Lord had already spoken to you. Is that right? Amen. Yeah, so we're just helping people know, hey, this is God. You're yeah. trying to help people. Yeah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. I must have made a comment about this. You can't force people to receive. I don't know if you were here one time. I had a big meeting. I'm going to just quit teaching. We had a big meeting here, and one of our young ladies who came to me about a certain thing that she was wanting to do secularly, and I said, don't do that. What do you think, doctor? I said, I think you're foolish to think you're going to get away with stuff. And it had to do with modeling. And I said, you don't, you know, and then she said, well, my mom's going to go with me. I said, I don't care who's going with you. You're going to be in trouble. There's too much flesh in that industry. And you're gonna, they're going to ask you to wear things later you'll be ashamed to show anybody. I know what I'm talking about, lady. I said, don't do it. But she just flat disobeyed me. And ended up running off with a man twice her age. Living with somebody. 
got in the prayer line one night, and I tried to minister to her. I said, do you know how far out you are right now? I can't even minister to you effectively because you got your defense up. Some of you people were in that meeting, and I just had to let her go back to her seat because she's not receptive anymore. Okay, thank you so much. I'm not mad at her, but, you know, when you tell people, and the same for a young man came to me, wanted to, you know, bodybuild, he says. I said, what do you mean bodybuild? You mean go to a gym and lift weights and bulk out or something? Or do you mean you're going to wear panties on a platform and somebody's going to put oil on you? <laughs> Is that graphic enough for you? Yes, sir. We got it. We got it. We got it. And he said the latter. And I said, don't, don't do that. Don't do it. I mean, a very attractive young man, built really well, and he's good. But I said, don't, there's too much flesh in that. You're going to, get, you're going to fall into something that you'll be ashamed of later. later. And sure enough, that's what happened. Somebody saw him in Louisville in a dress. Yeah, you, 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 you listen, I'm telling you what happened. I'm not throwing stones at anybody. He came back after two years. Sean and I were trying to help him, and he came for a while, but he just petered out because I said, I'm not here all the time, but you're going to have to go to Sean, and he's going to ask you pertinent questions. <laughs> and then he just dropped off the face of the earth. He came two years later, and he was over here where the Erasmo's at uh, and, and Pastor Dr. Cody. And he came to church, but he went road with his mother, and he said to come into church with his mother, who's a great lady, I think, a wonderful lady in my opinion. And he, he, every question she told me later, every question he asked her in the car, I answered verbatim when I went over to minister to him. I will still be your father if you'll repent right now. Of course, I Ted come out, and he started throwing up all over the carpet over there. Okay with me, we'll clean it up and get you, get you healed, get you delivered. Yeah. But then, you know, he did, he tried to make a turn, but he never made a full turn. And so, you got to make yourself not play with flesh at all. It gets on you. And it's a strong spirit sometimes with your flesh. You know, it has to do with stuff. I'm not being nasty with you. I hope you don't feel like I'm trying to embarrass myself or you. But that's just some people that came. They're young people, too, at the time came to me for counseling. And I said, don't do that. Please don't do that. The young man, he's a very attractive young man. And I, but even if he wasn't, that would still not stop people that are crazy and perverts. That's right. That's right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm not trying to expose everything. I'm just trying to talk to you. Things get dangerous when you don't listen. And when the pastor's trying to say to you, don't do that for good, get away from that. And sometimes people have listened to me and they're still in the church. Some They're here tonight. Because <laughs> they did what I asked them to do. I said, I'm going to give you one shot. And if you violate it, then I'm done with you. You're still here with me. After 20 years, I'd say they made a decision. <laughs> I'm not mad at anybody. I'm just trying to save you a lifetime of heartache and bitterness and ashamed, you know, that you did something. And we've all been there probably in one phase or another, not all immorality, but just stuff we wish, man, I wish I hadn't have done that or went there or saw that or whatever. Thank you for joining us today. To view Dr. Jacobs' travel itinerary, order products, and more, please visit cotrin.org slash mjm.